Well, guys, before I do anything, I want to take some time to thank our very own Paul Jeffries for taking us through those four-week series on spiritual disciplines. He did an absolutely outstanding job. And so, yeah, let's give him a big round of applause. It was excellent. So if you see Paul, um, I think he came second, but if you see him next week, give him a big hard slap on the back and just tell him thank you. He's a British, big British chap, so he can take a good hard slap. So uh, (laughs) just tell him thanks, because I know that took a lot of work. Uh, But one of the main things I heard about Paul speaking, other than it was awesome content, was that, man, Luke, I just loved his accent. I could sit and listen to him talk all day long. It's just so beautiful, so wonderful. And I heard it from a lot of people to the point where I kind of started to get a little insecure <laughs> that, you know, I don't have any accent. So I thought, well, I grew up in South America. Maybe I could, you know, use my little Mexican accent and be like, you know, it's a little bit crazy how people like to hear these special accents. And I thought, well, that's not going to work when my brother-in-law spent some time in India. And so I can kind of do like an Indian accent, like, no, 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 don't, don't you try to tell me that I can't speak in an accent. And... I could try that, but uh, reality is you're just going to have to put up with plain Ojano, my accent. (laughs) And I'm sorry if there's any um, Mexicans or Indians in the group today. I know that's a pathetic accent, but that's all I can do. But accents are are funny, aren't they? They're, They're amazing to me. In fact, somebody after second service said, Luke, if you were preaching in England, they would love your accent. I'm like... I didn't know that, but that's funny. But uh, Paul did a, a great job, and I'm just so thankful for that. And Paul spent the last four weeks speaking about spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines that we can do in our own personal lives. Um, and as we do that, it's going to provide the fertile soil for God's grace to begin to work in our own personal lives. And Paul did a brilliant job with that. And as Paul mentioned, there, there's like a myriad of spiritual disciplines that we can look at. He only had the time to be able to talk on four, four of the, you know, the main ones. Um, so in praying and asking God, what should be this next series that we're going to cover? Um, I really feel that the natural transition here is to move into a series on prayer. If you remember last fall, the elders had asked me to do a series on prayer. However, that whole mountaintop time in Arizona kind of um, changed that and we had a different series. But I do think that it fits beautifully now um, to cover a series on prayer. And why do I say that? Here's why. Because prayer is a spiritual discipline. Um, And so for the next nine to ten weeks, we're going to be zeroing in on the topic of prayer. And hopefully the outcome is that we are going to be a church family that exercises more and more the discipline of prayer. It's one thing to grow in knowledge about prayer, but if we don't practice prayer, it's pointless. We have to become prayers, okay? So the title of our series is going to be Prayer, Interacting with Our Unseen God. And before we go any further, are there, i got to talk to the young generation, okay? Um... What's your youngest son named, Jenny? Eli. Eli. Can you tell me something? Do you know what that is hanging there? <laughs> See, it's too easy. Is there any little kid here who doesn't know what that is? No? I figured that the younger generation wouldn't have a clue what that bad boy hanging there is. <laughs> and the reason why is because one time my son asked me, he said, you know when you hit call, you're calling someone on your cell phone, 
and the picture of that phone kind of goes up. My son said, Dad, what is that? And I went, are you serious? You don't know what that is? So I figured nobody would knew what that is because, guys, remember the day? I mean, you young kids, you don't know how good it is that you have a cell phone. I mean, you take that bad boy to the movies, you take it to school, you take it while you're driving, you take it everywhere. But remember the days, parents, old people here today, do you remember when our phones were attached to the wall? You remember that? And so, you know, there was phones almost in every room if you were lucky and you were kind of like a rich household, you had a home in every room. But where was the main phone at? In the kitchen, exactly. So you'd be in the kitchen, and all of you guys who were dating during those phone days, you'd be having like, uh, uh, here comes mom, never mind. <laughs> but you would go, and it would only go as far as, as what would let you? The cord. So you'd be kind of doing this figure eight sort of thing with this phone going back and forth. And for those of you who were dating during the phone days, you were on that phone for like hours. And what would you do if you're in the kitchen? What would happen? You'd get hungry. And so you would learn how to, yeah, Tommy, I love you too. And you'd get that fridge door open. You'd grab the mayonnaise and you'd grab some lettuce and, and be like, I love you too, sweetheart. And you'd make the sandwich and you'd throw it back and you'd kick the door shut and whatever. And you were just, you were attached to that cord. But then there came this invention. Does I remember? What did they come out with? Long cords. You remember those bad boys? You could go down into the basement with them, do the laundry, you could mow the lawn with them, and you were, it, they were awesome. They could just go on and on forever. But what would happen to those long cords? You remember? They'd get tangled, and you wouldn't know it, so you'd be walking down to go somewhere, so boom, it'd like jerk you back because it would hit that tangle. So a lot of your conversations, all of us would be untying the cord and trying to do that up. But that was back in the day. You young kids have no idea what that was like. You just walk and you just go. You remember, I didn't sell any of the other services this, but we'd be used to that kitchen phone because it was like drilled in and kept to that wall, like super glue, everything. But do you remember, you'd, you'd forget about it and you'd be talking to someone on an office phone. And where do those usually sit? On the desk. You'd take off walking. Do you remember, it would like jerk off the desk and then it would like hang up on the person. You'd be like, oh, this stupid phone. You young kids have no idea. This is, uh, technology is amazing. And I didn't tell first and second services, but this was funny. Speaking of technology, oh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> the, uh, I was driving with my daughter and her friend in my old pickup, and I have one of those hand crank window things. And my friend's daughter, I'm not joking, she said, Mr. Dye, what is this thing? And I says, well, go ahead and use it. So she's like, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I'm like, glad you're impressed. That's awesome. But if you notice, the tagline is interacting with our unseen God. And we're going to be talking about that. But that's the reason why we chose this corded, old corded phone instead of the cell phone, because nowadays you can call someone and you can what? See them. Old people in the room, put that on for size for a second. We can call someone and we can see someone. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world? You young people are like, big deal, whatever. I remember in elementary school, in my science class, reading in the textbook, saying, there's going to come a time in the future where we're going to be able to talk on the phone and see them. 
And I went, that's awesome. And in my mind, I went, there is no way that's going to ever happen. But guys, we're doing it now. We're doing it. And you young people, you like big deal. You get on the phone, somebody FaceTimes you, you're just like, what's up, bro? Hey, man, cool, whatever. And you don't even look. We old people, we're like staring, hey, mom, how you doing? Yeah, I love the paint job. What'd you do with your hair? That looks awesome. And we're like glued to that, that visual scene because it still blows our mind that we can see something. Well, that's why we chose this old cord, corded phone because we are talking to an unseen God. And let's just get that off the table right now. The unseenness of God is crazy tough, isn't it? Can I get an amen on that? It just is. I mean, I, I, not being able to see God is, is crazy hard. I wish we could just see him and we could hug him and sit next to him. And, and that, in my opinion, would make prayer so much easier. But we can't. God is spirit. He dwells in the unseen realm. He's as real as the air we breathe, but we can't see him. He's unseen. And that's just plain hard for us as physical beings to deal with. And you know what? That, for me, is one of the main problems in prayer. Because in prayer, we are speaking, we're speaking to someone we can't see. Think how weird that is? Now, granted, some of you in the room are really good at speaking when nobody else is in the room. <laughs> Any of you guys really good at talking to yourself? You willing to admit it? Okay. I married into a family like that. My father-in-law, man, he talks to himself like crazy. I remember when I first got married, we were working on his car and we were doing brakes. And I was on the driver's side, he was on the passenger side, both working on the front brakes. And he's on that side going, now why, why'd you go and do that? And I'm like, what did I do? I'm sorry, what? He's like, oh, no, no, look, I'm just talking to myself. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, where'd you put that? Not, where did you put that? I'm like, what did I put what? Oh, I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> it was the hardest thing. And my wife has taken after her dad. <laughs> and maybe it's even multiplied a little bit. Because when my wife packs, and she's packing up to go somewhere, it's like she's having a conversation with three different people. <laughs> it is hilarious. I mean, I, sometimes I'm going to video it just to, to get it. But she'll be in there like, now, where did I, where'd you put those socks? Oh, you washed the socks. Yeah, oh, you didn't wash the socks. Oh, you washed the socks. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, okay. We got to put that in. I'll put that in there. And I'll peek in like, is everything okay in here? You, who are you talking to? I was, it just, it's really freaky. But as weird as, as talking to, you know, my wife said this, maybe you guys who talk to yourself, she said, Luke, I read an article that those who talk to themselves are way more intelligent than the rest of you. <laughs> so at least you guys have that. That's, you know, hang on to that. But as weird as talking to yourself is, guys, it's still someone you can see. Because you can see yourself. You are a physical being. In prayer, we're talking to someone who is invisible. And let's just be honest, that's really weird. It's weird because we're used to living in a seen world. We interact with what we can see and with what we can touch and with what we can feel. I'm used to touching things. When I need something, I grab it and I pick it up. When I need to ask a question, I turn to someone that I can see and I ask the question. So talking to and interacting with an unseen God is completely opposite 
to what we're used to in this physical world. It's contrary to how the physical world works. So that's a tough thing about prayer. And so we must learn to interact and pray with our unseen God. Guess, does anybody want to take a guess what the second hardest part about prayer is? What, I mean, it's just my opinion, but I... Listening, exactly. It's very difficult to learn how to try to communicate with a God who is spirit, who is unseen, but I tell you, learning how to hear from our God can even be more daunting. I mean, talking on the phone with somebody who's a physical being, it's hard to understand what they're saying half the time. I mean, have you ever had that? You guys, anybody? Yeah, I mean, have, you, have you, anybody ever had to try to fix their modem or router? <laughs> and so you call the 1-800 number there, and you're calling, and somebody says, Hello, my friend, how are you talking to you today? You're like, hello, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to fix my modem. It's not linking up to my computer. Just plug in the computer and pull it out and control X. I'm sorry, I did not understand that. Could you repeat that? I said, pull it on the thing, plug it in, and put it on the computer, press control X. I'm sorry, uh, is there anybody there who speaks English? And they're like, I am speaking the English. You know, they get mad at you. And so you're just like, I don't know what to do. And guys, that's someone who's physical on the other end of the line. We're trying to hear from someone who is unseen, who is invisible, who is spirit. And that is a hard thing to do. So guys, we have a lot to learn in this series. And I pray and I hope that God teaches us in such a way that we become a praying church. You know what? We can learn all we want on prayer, but until we're praying, it's useless. We must be putting it into practice. And guys, I'm going to be straight up with you. The church in America struggles in the area of prayer. Prayer has become a neglected discipline. And because it's become a neglected discipline, the church of America fails to operate in the power that it could be operating in. And he, here's why I think churches have made a big mistake. And I'm, I'm speaking as a pastor, but I think churches of America have put more emphasis on getting a pastor who can preach an amazing sermon. They want good preachers. And they don't pay very much attention to a pastor who prays. So you might have a, a guy who can preach a lot, but you have a guy who doesn't pray a lot. And I saw, I was reading an article recently where a guy said, he goes, if a pastor is not praying, he's playing. And that was convicting. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this, he goes, I'd rather teach one person to pray than 10 men to preach. You know, I, when I was a kid in Columbia attending our mission school, I'll never forget the teacher came and she was, you know, sharing some stories of these great men and women of old and and she would tell us these stories like, for instance, William Bramwell spent four hours in prayer every single morning before he'd begin his day. Bishop Andrews, five hours in prayer and devotion before he would begin his day. Dr. Judson would wake up at midnight and he'd spend time in prayer. Then he'd wake up before dawn and he'd spend time in prayer. Then at 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock at night, he would spend time in prayer. Throughout the 24 hours, he was spending time with prayer. 
And I could go on and on and on about these great men and women of God who spent long periods of time in prayer, and God used them to do great and mighty things for his kingdom. I mean, even Jesus himself, he would spend all night long on a mountain with his father in prayer. And yet, so many Christians, especially in America today, have no idea how to pray and just plain don't do it. I saw this quote recently from Samuel Taylor Coleridge. He said this. He goes, The act of praying is the very highest energy of which the human mind is capable. Praying, that is, with the total concentration of the faculties. The great mass of worldly men and of learned men are absolutely incapable of prayer. Such a powerful statement and a sobering statement. Prayer is a neglected discipline. True, honest, crying out to our Heavenly Father and basking in His presence, communing with Him through prayer is a discipline that few Christians in our world today know how to do. We have so much to grow in the area of prayer. And I'll be the first to raise my hand. I have so much to grow in the area of prayer. I'll be very honest with you. My prayer life is disgustingly wimpy. When I read these stories of these men, I just go, oh, my land, that's amazing. I wish I lived a life like that, but I don't. During the time on the mountain with God, I mean, he made that abundantly clear to me. And I'm ashamed to mention it, but it's true. But I don't think I'm the only one in the room that's like that. I think that there are many of us who, when it comes to prayer, we have an aversion to it. We don't engage with it much. If somebody were to come to us and say, hey, uh, I'm going to have a Friday night prayer meeting at my house. Do you want to come? First thing in our mind would be like, prayer meeting? I mean, I'll watch a movie with you. I'll eat food with you. I'll play sports with you. But prayer, do you really? uh?" And we try to come up with an excuse. The general population of Christians don't practice prayer that much. You want to know why? Because they don't enjoy it that much. We like to do things that we enjoy. It's all about us. And and you know, I think that's what we're going to try to unpack as best we can. We're going to try to ask the Lord and the Spirit of God to teach us why it is that we don't enjoy it. What are we missing? What are we not seeing? And that's my hope in this series. Now, next week, we're going to start out by looking at prayer and really coming up with a definition for prayer. And those of you guys who know me, I love definitions for words because I think words have meaning and we need to know what the meaning of those words are because otherwise it'll be lost on us. But that's next week. This week, I want to talk about some things that prayer is not. And obviously, this is not an exhaustive list. There's a long list of that prayer is not. But I think we need to talk about a few things just to have it in our basket moving forward with this series. Um, But one of the things that prayer is not is prayer is not magic. And I think most of you in the room go, well, no kidding, Luke, obvious. But as much as we might say no kidding, the reality is, is I think sometimes we treat it as if it were. We like to summon God as if he were a genie in a bottle. And that we just want him to grant our wishes, no matter what circumstances or the consequences. And what I mean by that is that sometimes, and... 
not wanting to offend people, but I think sometimes that we have different prayers that we use for different situations. Like you just Google, say, different prayers for different, you know, circumstances. There's like these little set prayers that you can pray to get, in a sense, what you want. Like if you want to get rich, pray this prayer. If you want to have children, pray this prayer. If you want to climb the ranks in your business, pray this prayer. If you, you know... Whatever it is, if you want safety on it, pray this prayer. If you want spiritual protection, pray this prayer. And what people have done with that is they've taken those things and they've approached it like it's a magic incantation or magic potion. And as long as I pray these things over and over again, I'm going to get what I want. Prayer is not a magic incantation. Prayer, listen to me here, prayer is a conversation with a personal God. Don't treat him like a genie because he's not. Second, prayer does not make demands. Yes, prayer is a conversation with a personal, personal God, but he is the most high God of the universe. He's the creator of all that we can see and we can't see. The creation does not demand the creator. We can certainly make requests. In fact, Philippians is very clear on that. It says this, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So yeah, we can request or petition God, but we don't demand God of anything. And I, I realize this may be semantics and it may be just a use of words, but I get a little nervous with little phrases that, that say, let's storm the gates of heaven. And I'm sure people don't mean it by what they're saying, and I'm sure I might, maybe I've even used that phrase before too, but it could easily convey a meaning of demanding something of God. Storming the gates of heaven kind of gives us this picture of protesters outside the city gates of heaven, you know, saying, God, you better do this. We're going to get as many people as we can, and we're going to just, you know, pound the gates until you do what we, you want us to, we want you to do, and we'll camp out here as long as we need to. Listen to me here, and I need you to get this. When it comes to prayer, we don't storm the gates of heaven. We don't try to get as many people outside of God's house to try to convince him to do something. No, not at all. No, prayer is much more precious and beautiful than that. Like I said, it's a personal conversation with God. We don't storm heaven's gates. No, because... Because here's why. Because of Jesus, we're invited into the very throne room of God himself. We don't stand at the gates. Because of Jesus, we're invited into the most holy of holies. And there, we talk to God and we make our requests, not demands. Amen? There's a big difference with that. Third thing about prayer, and this is a big one for us to get, prayer's not for God's benefit. It's ours. And I, I think we miss that. But listen to me, God needs nothing. He lacks nothing. He does not need us to pray. It's not like he's out there like, oh my word, please pray, I need this today. No, he doesn't need us. That would be like me going into the YMCA to work out and going, you guys are lucky I'm here. I'm doing this for you. I'm helping this place out by working out. No, they'd say, well, we don't need you. Get out. He loves it when we spend time with him in prayer, but he doesn't need it. 
It's us who need it. We need time with God in prayer. In fact, guys, we were created to spend time with God. It's part of our makeup. And when we don't participate in it, we starve our spirit. And so really, we have a bunch of Christians walking around in this world today who are starving spiritually because we're not communing with our Heavenly Father, our Creator. Prayer is for our benefit. Fourth thing. Prayer is not a guarantee against suffering. And I know that seems obvious, but it's funny. And we may talk about this later, but I think sometimes we pray and we spend time with God in order to get God to kind of act on our behalf. And I think we, we think that if we spend all this time in prayer, life is just going to be all about peaches and bubbles and it's just going to be perfect. No, it doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. I know we might think that, but it, it, you know, if we put time into prayer each day that we somehow think that God is going to reimburse us with, with rainbows and goodness. No, sometimes, guys, I, I think we make the mistake of we, we pray in order to twist God's arm to get him to do things for us. That's the wrong approach to prayer. And when it doesn't come, here's the crazy thing. I'm guilty of this. We get mad at God and we say, well, you know what? Forget it then, God. I put all this time in and you're not doing what I was hoping you were doing and so that's it. I'm still suffering here. What's the point? It doesn't fix things. Remember, guys, we don't demand of God. Prayer isn't for him. Prayer is not about us scratching his back so he scratches our back. Guys, we can have the most amazing prayer life ever and still suffer like crazy. You don't believe me? Ask Jesus. Dude suffered like crazy. And if our Lord suffered, then what do you think we his servants are going to do? You know, Jesus said this. He goes, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. Let me ask you a question. Where do we live right now? In this world. So according to that verse, what are we going to face? Trouble. Get used to it. We're going to have troubles. The only time the troubles are going to leave us is when we leave this world. And that day will come, but right now we're in this world. And so we need to take the attitude of Peter who says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Did you hear that? Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Yes, Christ suffered too. And we get to participate with him in his suffering so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Amen? In this world as a Christian, we're going to suffer. Prayer does not insulate us from suffering. But I tell you, listen to me here, I tell you, prayer is going to help us go through the midst of it. In this life, Whitestone, plain and simple, we need to be involved in prayer. If we plan on having any impact for the kingdom of God, we must be spending time in conversation with our God. In this world, if we're going to... 
I mean, we're going to have need. We're going to have problems. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have hurt. We're going to have pain. And prayer is the only connection that we have with our unseen God in which then he connects with us in our seen world. We need to be in prayer. That's why Paul says pray without ceasing. Or another translation says pray continually. Guys, we can't hope to have any impact on this world, our marriages, our family, even our own personal lives if we are not men and women of prayer. Amen? Prayer is vital to our lives, and we must come to see that. We have to believe that, because if we believe that, guys, we're going to live out as if it were true. And that's why we're going to be taking these next nine to ten weeks trying to understand more and, and practice it more. Now, like the last series, at the end of each sermon, once again, I'm going to give us homework, things to do in our times with God. And if we plan on becoming men and women of prayer, guys, we have to train for it. We can't just try. We need to train. So I'm going to give us homework each week to work on. So that's, this is what I want you to do this week. This week's homework is easy. It's going to kind of ramp up next week, okay? So I'm just warning you. But here's what I want. You don't want you to come up with your own definition of prayer. And I don't want you to do this glibly and really quickly. It's like, oh, okay, prayer is talking to God. Cool, Luke, here you go. Um, I want you to take some time just alone with God and just think about prayer. Think about it this whole week. You know, what is prayer? Why do I need it? Why is it important? What, what's it entail? And then ask the Spirit of God really to give you an insight into prayer and come up with a definition. And then I want you to email me that definition. And the reason I want you to email me is because I'm always impressed at how the Spirit of God gives us different perspectives in the things that, you know, on an individual basis, I'll miss. And so it's awesome to say, man, what God showed Randy was awesome, and I want to share it with the rest of the family. So you guys share with me some of your definitions that you feel like God has shown you, and throughout the course of this series, hopefully I can share, you know, um, what you guys feel like God has shown you. Okay, you guys up for doing that? That's my email address, luke at mywhitestone.org. Org, not com, okay? If you do com, I don't know who's going to get it, but uh, maybe they need to get it, I don't know. But uh, send it to me this week, and uh, I really want you to engage with our homework. All right, let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my Whitestone family. They are some of the greatest people on this earth. But God, we, we want to become a family that prays, that interact with you on a very continual basis. And God, we're just admitting that, at least personally, we fail at that so miserably. And it's so hard to talk to someone we can't see and hear from someone we can't see. And we need to learn. So Holy Spirit, become our teacher. Instruct us. I know you're patient. You're gentle. You're the best teacher we could ever have. But we are your pupils, and we're going to sit at your feet, and we want to learn. And I pray that you would transform Whitestone into a church that prays continually. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, that it might be so. Amen. Guys, I love you so very, very much. I love doing life with you. Have an awesome week. Go out and get a sunburn, because it's beautiful out. <laughs>